It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 433 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Vessel of Hatred. It is November 10, 2023, and this is Jen. So I'd like to start off with, you may possibly have noticed that we didn't do a show last week, and the reason for that is because I caught COVID and decided it would probably be a good idea to rest and um, not really force my body into doing too many things. You know, um, I'm over it now. I took a second test today. And I don't have COVID anymore, but um, I did also go to a clinic in a shopping mall kind of area out here in California. It's all outside stuff in California for the most part. And uh, talked to a clinician who looked at a photo that I had taken of my COVID test that clearly indicated I had COVID. And she said it was mild and I'd be okay. And she was right. So that's why the show last week didn't happen because I had COVID. And I think I'm better now. And I'm hoping not to catch any of that again. That said, I hope all of you that went to BlizzCon had a fantastic time. And I really, really hope that nobody caught any like diseases while they're there. And in terms of that, I mean like COVID or like con crud. You've had con crud before if you've been to one of these, any of these conferences. I know I had con crud once on the way out, that kind of thing. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping everyone had an excellent time and isn't like really sick right now because that can be kind of annoying. Yeah, you know, depending on how good or bad your immune system is. So here's a bunch of stuff I'm going to talk about this time for this uh, Vessel of Hatred episode. We start with Microsoft. This is from The Verge, and it's from October 30th, 2023. And I don't know how many people, like, paid attention to this, really. But if you use a Microsoft uh, device, an S or an X or whatever... Uh, you may have a problem soon. So the title of this one is Microsoft starts blocking, quote, unauthorized, end quote, Xbox controllers and accessories. This is from The Verge, and this is written by Tom Warren. So here's a piece of this. Microsoft is starting to block, quote, unauthorized, end quote, Xbox controllers and accessories from being used on Xbox consoles. Resetera posters spotted a warning about the block last week, with some third-party Xbox controllers now throwing up a connected accessory is not authorized warning when connected to an Xbox console. It's unclear if Microsoft is trying to target cheat devices or whether the Xbox maker is trying to push its official partner program. An Error has now started appearing for some third-party Xbox controllers alongside a warning that notes the accessory will be blocked from further use after two weeks. Quote, from the moment you connect an unauthorized accessory and receive error code 0x82D60002, 
two, you have two weeks to use the accessory, after which time it will then be blocked from use with the console, says Microsoft in a support note. Quote, at that time, you'll receive error code 0x82D6003. We encourage you to contact the store or manufacturer where you obtained the accessory to get help with returning it. Third-party Xbox controllers that are part of the Designed for Xbox Hardware Partner Program are unaffected, but any that haven't been officially authorized by Microsoft run the risk of generating this error and being blocked for use. This might also block third-party cheat devices like XIM, Cronus Zen, and Rhea Snow S1 from working on an Xbox console. These adapters are commonly used on PC to spoof controller inputs, so mouse and keyboard users can get the benefits of aim assist and reduced recoil from controller mixed with the benefits of movement from mouse and keyboard. Activision, Bungie, and Ubisoft all have been trying to block these hardware spoofing devices with restrictions and bans in Call of Duty, Destiny 2, and Rainbow Six Siege. Cronus devices have been growing in popularity on console, and Microsoft's block will likely affect some of these unauthorized adapters. Brook Gaming, which manufactures an adapter that supports PlayStation controllers on Xbox, says its device is affected by Microsoft's block. In a post on X, parentheses Twitter, Brook Gaming warns of, quote, functional disruptions in the near future, end quote, for a variety of its products, including a fighting board, controller adapter, and steering wheel adapter. I'm not going to go through the rest of the article. Everything's going to be up on ShatteredSoulStone.com. Um, so you can check all this out if you missed it. Now, I'm playing with um, a, an Xbox S. And if I grab my controller here, I might be able to figure out if it's got anything saying about Microsoft on here to see if I'm going to get screwed. This says Wired Controller for Xbox. So it might be okay. I've been playing with it. So I think it's going to be all right. But if not, I guess I just get another controller that's like official. Now, the reason I stopped using the official one is because it had um, sort of that... I can't remember the name for the process that happens, but one of the little stick buttons just kind of, like, starts moving away from where you're trying to go with your character. So I'd have to get another one because that one's borked. But so far, this one seems to be working. So I'm hoping it won't, like, make it so I can't play Diablo 4, you know? Or anything else on an Xbox. There's another article here from The Verge from November 6th. It's titled Blizzard's President on the Studio's New Era under Xbox. Mike Yabara is confident about the studio's future. This is written by Jay Peters who writes about technology. Here's a little bit from this article. The dust is finally starting to settle from Microsoft's huge acquisition of Activision Blizzard, but even Blizzard president Mike Ybarra still isn't exactly sure how things will change for the company. Quote, I literally haven't sat down with Microsoft gaming CEO Phil Spencer and said, so what does all this mean? Ybarra tells the Verge in an interview. Yabara doesn't seem worried, though, as part of his opening remarks at Friday's BlizzCon 2023 keynote. Yabara said that the show was the start of a new era for the company. Quote, I think the way Spencer approaches building teams and focusing on culture and enabling creative freedom is going to give Blizzard a lot more of that sense of being an independent studio than ever before. End quote. Yabara says, Quote, that's what I really mean when I talk about a new era of possibilities, of empowerment, of serving players even better than we ever have. It also probably helps that Yabara worked for Spencer for eight years before joining Blizzard. Right now, things are, quote, pretty much business as usual, and, quote, 
Ubarra says. Spencer and his team visited Blizzard recently, but, quote, it was more about just meeting people, Ubarra says. They didn't want to talk about business. It seems like that means any Microsoft-driven changes might be a little ways out. Spencer has already said not to expect any Activision Blizzard games on Xbox Game Pass until 2024, for example. So here's a piece that mentions Bobby Kotek, like, within this article from The Verge. And Activision Blizzard, as a company, has had a tumultuous few years as it's reckoned with litigation over an alleged culture of harassment, which outgoing CEO Bobby Kotek has denied, and unionization efforts. Yabara in 2022 detailed what the company would be doing to rebuild players' trust, including that executives and management would be measured, quote, directly against culture improvement, end quote. Blizzard also recently announced that it had hired Pamela Berga as its global diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. So we go on from there. There's other things in here you might want to check out. But basically, it sounds as though the people at Microsoft are happy to have Activision Blizzard King as part of their company, uh, that it's not going to hit, you know, the Xbox stuff, whatever I said earlier, the Game Pass, the Xbox Game Pass. It's not going to, you're not going to see those games on a Game Pass until 2024, which we don't know exactly how long in 2024. Like, will it be January? Will it be May? Will it be December? We don't know, but I guess we'll find out eventually. I've also got the BlizzCon campfire chat uh, for Diablo 4 that was done live at BlizzCon, and I was um, invited by Medros to come and speak about what I thought about what was said during the campfire chat. And also Joe was there as well. Yeah, it was really interesting. I had no idea what the new expansion would be, but now we all know it is Vessel of Hatred, which is voiced by Mephisto, who's a very interesting Diablo character in a lot of ways. That's, you know, Lilith's dad. So, um, this sort of thing. And I remember um, pointing out who the devs were that I could identify on the stage. So Adam Fletcher, who's Pez Radar, he's there. Uh, Joe Shelley was there. There were a few other people whose faces and names I hadn't, you know, heard of or, or seen before. And they did a nice panel. I mean, it made a lot of sense. They went from one person to another person. And some of the people would jump in and say things like, oh, and on that, here's what I think or, or whatever. And it was a pretty good panel. At the end of it, Medros asked me, like, what do you think is going to be coming in Vessel of Hatred, the new expansion? And I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure when that's going to actually appear. Um, might be some info down here. Let's see. Oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here about this. So, yeah, if you haven't seen the uh, campfire chat, it's worth watching. But in any case, what I told Medros when he asked what I thought would be happening in the new season, I thought that perhaps the Blood Knight would be introduced because Diablo Immortal has the Blood Knight. They've had it for quite some time. And we just have currently the seasonal stuff is like all vampires all the time and your character starts off not knowing they're a vampire and then they become one and you get all this stuff and most of you have probably played it farther along than I have but I think there's no reason they can't put the Blood Knight in there because why not you know it seems fun it's kind of a vampire vampire kind of thing going on and I don't know I mean maybe after you know season two with all the vampire stuff maybe people will be like kind of over vampires for a little bit but really 
thinking overall about all the movies vampires are in and all of the just all kinds of stuff like D&D stuff that's got like vampires I think it's a Strahd or something like that um I don't know that people are going to get you know tired of vampires that quickly so if it takes until the the season of the sorry the vessel of hatred season not season probably whatever that is um the expansion I think people will probably dig it if you're already playing it you know, in Season of Blood, you'll probably like the next thing, too. So that's just kind of my opinion on it. Also, speaking of uh, TTRPG games and board games, there is a company called Glass Cannon Unplugged. And it has a board game called Diablo. And there is a very angry-looking face there glaring out at the viewer. And it, it is a board game. So I'm thinking that's a box. You pull off the top of the box and you open up the board and whatever happens, happens. But there's also a role-playing game with that. So that's like a TTRPG thing. Now, um, that's the core book for it. It says right here uh, with Lilith's angry face off to the side. And it says the gates of hell open in 2024. Get notified when the campaign launches. There's a spot here to put your email address if you want to sign up for that. There's also a thing that says I consent to glass cannon unplugged collecting and storing my data from this form for the purposes described in the privacy policy. And there's also uh, they want your input about what you think about how this should go or if you eventually get a hold of this and you play it with a group. It also says hold on to your soul. Sanctuary. Never did a place bear a more ill-fitting name. Here, refuge is sought nowhere but in nightmares, and many a year has grown long since a prayer was uttered with any semblance of faith. The hells no longer stir, for it is the realm of mortals that the standard of war we are, that the standards of war are blazing anew. Diablo the role-playing game brings the isometric to the immersive, invoking a pantheon of champions to be thrust into the eternal conflict and defy the hordes of hell. So here's some of the stuff that's involved in this. I'm kind of digging this. I don't know how much it's going to cost. So here's like titles and then descriptions. Dark fantasy. The troubled and dispossessed invoke your aid in a realm where flames serve to fuel darkness instead of light. Inner struggle. Strike a path between the forces of light and darkness in a tug of war between sin and integrity. Action combat. Fight against multiple opponents at once in satisfying fast-paced combat. Narrative depth. Experience the mythos of Diablo with all its unbridled potential now in your hands. There's also going to be some engineering adaptations. Diablo, the role-playing game, is being created by a group of industry veterans determined to engineer the best tabletop video game adaptations. And there is a logo for Blizzard Entertainment next to the Glass Cannon Unplugged logo. And uh, this might be interesting. Um, I do play some TTRPG games with friends online on Twitch, depending on what I'm playing. Um, the current one actually is going to be the last episode of uh, Blood in the Water, which is a vampire game that we've been playing, Vampire the Masquerade, and that's going to be fun to finish off. So, I mean, you know, vampires, everybody likes vampires, right? Of course. And then we've got some other news that is kind of sort of related to Diablo stuff, but not entirely. 
IGN has reported that Blizzard art director and Pandaren creator Samwise Didier, I hope I pronounced that correctly, retires after 32 years. Didier had served as art director on Diablo, StarCraft, and many other classics. This is written by Kat Bailey. One of Blizzard's most influential talents is bidding farewell after 32 years with the company. Samwise Didier announced on X slash Twitter on Friday that he is retiring hiring after a career that includes serving as art director on Diablo, StarCraft, and a host of other iconic games. There is an embedded tweet, an embedded X. How do you do this anymore, right? Um, All right. And he wrote, what lies beyond the storm? And there is a screenshot here of his message. Hail Blizzard family and friends. Today is a huge day for me as I wanted to share the news with you all. I am retiring from my beloved Blizzard Entertainment and today will be my last day. And this was posted on November 10th, which is today. Now, most kids I know move out of the home when they are 18. Well, maybe not these days. For me, it took me damn near double that, exclamation point. It is inspiring and intimidating all at the same time. Blizzard was never just a job for me. I joined the company in 1991, and it immediately became my second home. I found out I had family that I didn't even know I had. I grew up there. I learned almost everything I know about art there. I learned how to use a computer. I only knew Atari 2600 and Nintendo. I learned how to use Photoshop. I learned how to create UI and make thousands of buttons. I learned how to create 3D models of my art, how to texture and animate them, and even make them shoot fireballs or lasers. I got to see my art come to life. Hell, I even joined my first band at Blizzard. And to top all of it off, I got to work on some of the greatest games this hero world has ever known. Thank you, Blizzard, for everything. If I were to leave any words of wisdom to the mighty Blizzard Entertainment, it would be this. Blizzard family, always draw big shoulder pads. ABC, my friends. And there is a handwritten uh, signature with a little heart by it in red uh, in red ink on this thing on social media. Yeah, there's a picture of him in here smiling with um, probably a StarCraft-looking logo behind him. His retirement follows a tenure that began back in 1991 when the company was founded as Silicone and Synapse. He went on to have a hand in virtually every major Blizzard game ever made, from Blackthorn and the Lost Vikings to StarCraft II. He is credited as part of the Blizzard development family in the more recent Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. Didier was particularly well-known for his enthusiasm for pandas leading to the creation of pandarins in warcraft universe he also and sorry in the worldcraft universe it's not something new um he also served as the front man of level 60 elite tour and chieftain a band of blizzard employees who would play at blizzcon blizzard president mike Yubara was among those who paid tribute to didier following his announcement here is the tweet from mike Yubara, who is at Quick, Q-W-I-K. And he's replying to Samwise Didier, Thank you so much for everything you've done for Blizzard, Sammy. Your talent helped build Blizzard's signature art style, and I know many of our artists have learned so much from you over the years. Thanks for what you did for them and for gamers and artists everywhere. It goes on somewhere in there. Uh, Didier's departure reflects a Blizzard in a state of transition as it charts a path forward under Xbox, as well as the studio's long history and the loyalty that it has engendered from its longest-serving employees. Its upcoming projects include multiple expansions for World of Warcraft and Diablo 4. 
So that's uh, that's what's going on there. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm sure he'll find something. I've got some patch notes here from November 8 for Diablo 4. And here's a little bit about that. Uh, let's see. 1.2.2a build, all platforms. Fixed an issue where the game could crash when viewing a seasonal stash. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like, hmm, do I have room in my stash? Poof. Oh, no. <laughs> right? I just Some of this seems silly. Um, 1.2.2 build for all platforms about the malignant rings. Five new unique rings have been added to the game, one for each class. These are based on popular malignant powers from Season of the Malignant, which I missed out on because I hadn't finished enough of the season journey yet at that time. Um, so I have no idea what that season was like at all. Okay, and they are immediately available in both Seasonal and Eternal Realms. The Ring of Red Fuhrer is a Barbarian unique ring. After spending 100 Fury within 3 seconds, wow, your next cast of Hammer of the Ancients, Upheaval, or Death Blow is a guaranteed critical strike and deals 10 to 30% multiplicative damage and a bonus critical strike damage. Telrasha's Iridescent Loop is a Sorcerer Unique Ring. For each type of elemental damage you deal, gain 10-15% to 15 increased damage for 4 seconds. Dealing elemental damage refreshes all bonuses. Uh, Erida's Inex Inexorable Will. So Erida, if you've played through this at all, is one of the druids that you go fight in, I want to say, Act 3. Um, and it's a Druid Unique Ring, so this this fits uh, when casting an ultimate skill and again five seconds after pull in distant enemies and deal 0.5 to 1.0 physical damage to them this damage is increased by one percent per one point of willpower you have writhing band of trickery this is a rogue unique ring casting a subterfuge skill leaves behind a decoy trap that continuously taunts and lures enemies the decoy trap explodes after three seconds dealing two to 2.0 to 3.0 shadow damage can occur every 12 seconds and we have the Ring of the Sacrilegious Soul. This is a Necromancer unique ring. Automatically activate the following equipped skills on corpses around you. Raise skeleton every one to two seconds. Corpse explosion every one to two seconds. Corpse tendrils every eight to 16 seconds. Developers note, creating the malignant rings are a way for us to take popular seasonal content that resonated with players and reintroduce it in a way that can persist beyond the season and into the eternal realm. There's another bit of things here for Season of Blood. I'll read you a little bit of that. Pillar health has been increased from 75% to 85%. Pillar repair time has been decreased from 3 seconds to 1 second. And then there's some just strange bug fixes in here. Fix an issue where the additional enemies in the Lord Zir boss fight would not get stunned when Lord Zir gets staggered. Fix an issue where metamorphosis could, would not trigger temporary movement speed bonuses. Fix an issue where the anticipation vampiric power didn't display cooldown reduction for ultimate abilities when in town. Fixed an issue where the hectic vampire vampiric power did not reduce the cooldown of skills with charges. Fixed an issue where the seasonal quest Battle of Fear and Faith could be completed without completing Chapter 3 of the season journey. 
<laughs> Fixed an issue where the upgrade button for vampiric powers could be interacted with when there are no new powers available, wasting 25 potent blood. Fixed an issue where Lord Zir could not respawn if the player re-entered the boss arena too quickly after respawning. Fixed an issue where evade and non-damaging skills could trigger hemomancy. Goes on from here. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in there if you want to check all of that out. And now I've got two things that appeared on um, Yahoo News. And this one's from Engadget. Diablo 4's first expansion will introduce a brand new class in late 2024. The Vessel of Hatred DLC focuses on the fate of Mephisto and his plans for Sanctuary. For those of you who are new to the game or new to the Diablo franchise, Mephisto is Lilith's father. This is written by Chris Holt. It's BlizzCon time, which means Blizzard is revealing some of the many things it has lined up for its stable of games. At the opening ceremony, there was a look at the future of Diablo 4, including the game's first expansion. Vessel of Hatred, which is slated to arrive in 2024, will build on the story of the main game. You'll find out the fate of the villain Mephisto and learn about his evil plans for Sanctuary. The DLC will feature the return of the... Uh, Nahantu jungle area from Diablo 2. The expansion will also in introduce a brand new character class. I think it's going to be the Blood Knight. Blizzard is promising new ways to play and new evils to vanquish too. You can find out more details about Vessel of Hatred next summer. That's when that's coming. Before then, Diablo 4's third season will feature a new kind of challenge uh, dungeon called the Gauntlet. Here you'll fight against other players from around the world for your class ranking. The first Diablo 4 seasonal event is called Midwinter Blight. It starts on December 12 and lasts for three weeks. Weeks. There's more to come over the next month or two, including a six-week Season of Blood endgame event called Abattoir of Zir that starts on December 5th. We've also got another one. This one's titled Diablo 4's class designer plans to add new things players aren't even asking for. Doesn't see a hurdle to bring Blood Knight or other classes to game. If skills aren't being used or working out, expect them to get buffed or redesigned, says Adam Jackson, Diablo 4's lead live class designer. This is written by Aloysius Lowe. Don't expect the class you played last season to continually be the best or in the meta. Given that Diablo 4 is a live service game, shaking up the meta is pretty easy, says Diablo 4 lead live class designer Adam Jackson in a group interview during BlizzCon. Jackson, who was previously lead class designer, was spun out to head a team to look at making changes to the live aspect of the game. Quote, we actually have a group of dedicated people, including myself, that are only looking at the problems that players have in the live game, and also even looking at ways to make the game better that aren't just answers to problems, but really just anything we could think of that's going to make things cooler, said Jackson. One way is to add new legendaries or uniques, like in Diablo 3, but the most obvious way would be to buff or redesign skills that, quote, players aren't attracted to or just aren't working. While change is great, Jackson says he had his team have to be careful when making these changes. They don't want to fall into a pretty tight box where all the classes have the same AoE, the same mobility, the same tankiness, or the same clear speed, and that it would affect them from making creative designs, des design decisions, and interesting things.
things. Any hints on the new class coming to Diablo 4? Diablo 4 is getting a new expansion later this year, and it will include a class for players to dig into. However, Jackson wasn't ready to yet to reveal any details. That said, he added if need be, it would be possible to bring in classes like Diablo, Immortals, Blood Knight into the game. This is what I told Medros. I think the next class is going to be the Blood Knight because it's in Diablo Immortal. People seem to like it there. We've got a whole season of blood going on with vampire stuff. I think, yeah, I, I think it would be possible to bring the uh, Diablo Immortals Blood Knight into Diablo 4 without any problems. And this article just goes on from there. But I thought it was pretty interesting. I hadn't read those before um, watching the live uh, version on Twitch. There's also um, a thing that was going on if you watched BlizzCon from home or, you know, you weren't at the actual con. There was a video that came up called Diablo 4 Season of Blood. Those were not stories. And it has similarities to something when, like, before Diablo 4 was launched, where you had all of these, like, actual actors, like, live actors um, that were, you know, hiding from demons or, you know, this kind of thing. And uh, asking, looking out at the camera for you to save them. And so there was all these different characters that were in there, including a child and um, a woman who was very, very scared, trying to like hide behind, I don't know, whatever room she was in so that the monsters wouldn't see her. And it just kind of goes on from there. It's a short video. It is two minutes and 31 seconds, and you can watch it all there if you missed it the first time around. I don't know if they added anything new in there, but... Uh, other than the logo for Season of Blood, but it seems relevant considering how long ago the first version of this was released on YouTube and other places. So let's jump into a Wowhead article posted by Selic or Silic, and this one's called Vessel of Hatred Expansion Concept Art for Diablo 4. And uh, there's some stuff in here. If you watch the campfire chat, you've probably seen this. So there's uh, Mephisto and Narelle. So these are black and white drawings that have Mephisto with all of his hatred uh, coming up out of, I don't know, water or something. And he's got all these horns and things like that. So you can kind of see how he's Lilith's dad because she kind of has some of those horns too. And then you've got Narelle. If you haven't played through much of the game, or if you haven't played at all, um, Narelle is a character that was introduced for Diablo 4. You, uh, as the whatever class you're playing, you go find her, and you uh, go through sort of a, a mine that's falling apart in order to find her mother. There is a picture here of Narelle with some kind of black goo all over her head and face. She's holding some kind of possibly a crystal and is wrapped in a black cloak. Um, the goo is covering her eyes and most of her head. And then there's the Torajan jungle slash Nahantu, which is in color. So this is like a an art piece kind of thing. There is somebody on a boat trying to go underneath a huge, huge structure that looks like a gate, but the gate doors are open. It's got possibly Mephisto's face there or something else. I'm not really sure. They didn't really give a lot of details on this, but we'll pick this up when that season appears. There's um, very strange looking plants and there is a person on a boat going through an area that has extremely oversized trees and stuff like that. And then there's a close up of some of the trees and all of the green that's on that one. So one of the guys that was in the campfire chat came out wearing a green jacket while everybody else was wearing like black or red. And uh, he had a lot to say about what we were looking at 
while that campfire chat was going on. So there's um, also a structure here with circles around it, and it looks like skull faces on the ground and this, like, pillar and a couple other pillars around it in four different sides there. I don't know what that's going to be, but I can't wait to find out. Then there's Karast, or maybe it's Karast and Karast docks, and so you can see this structure that's been overrun with tree branches and tree, um, you know, like the, the trees are growing over it. And there's in the middle this little pond that's got flowers in it. There are structures with skulls on them, and I'm not really sure exactly what happens there. There's also this other gate-looking thing that has a bunch of stuff in its way and some really strange structures around it. The sky is all foggy. There's Travancall, which is a very large area, it looks like. You can see there's a character standing in the front when you... This will all be in the show notes. So you can see a little small character in the front there trying to figure out how to get into Travancall from this angle. And there's a structure in the middle there with a bunch of pillars around it. There's a lot of like fog going around through this area. And far in the background, you could see even more structures. I don't know if all of those are going to be things you can explore as a player or not, but the art looks really cool. And then there's the Unknown Temple, which, well, I guess we don't know anything about that one. It sort of looks to me like a ziggurat kind of thing, but not quite. It's kind of got that idea and way off in the background you can see another one with the same shape there's a lot of um it looks like the sun's either going down or coming up it's unclear but these are really neat pieces of art and uh we'll see how we get to interact with those when the time comes speaking of rings which i mentioned before of what they are uh blizzard watch has an article from november 7th written by liz pat about the malignant rings and this is what she wrote it looks like it's pretty much the same description of the rings that i just read off from the other thing but there's five of them one for each class and uh so there's that you can pick either article you'll get the same information from either one there so the description beyond what I'd already said in the show says appropriate to their origins, these rings are obtained by taking down Varshan, whose mini dungeon first becomes available in world tier three, level 50 plus. My rogue just hit 50 like this morning, I think. Um, find his unique doorway next to the tree of whispers, but remember to bring the necessary body parts to summon him. If you are missing a particular body part for summoning, leverage some of your extras with the alchemist to convert them. Parentheses, gross. End of parentheses. So Liz, is it Liz Pat? Let's see. Yeah, Liz Pat says, as a necromancer player, I'm incredibly excited to include sacrilegious in my infamous build as it makes the corpse skills that much easier to leverage. So that's pretty interesting overall. And if you really like rings and jewelry, there is a sort of a thing here between Blizzard and um, a company called Rock Love Jewelry. And they have the Diablo 4 and Rock Love collection forged from the fires of Sanctuary. The Diablo 4 uh, X Rock Love collection is the perfect launch for All Hallows Eve. Shop now before they return to the depths of hell. So there is a, uh, a Lilith collar. It is, it's got like the horns at the bottom of this thing and it's silver. 
I'm assuming it's actually made from silver in here, but, um, and it's like a necklace, kind of, I don't know, a collar or a necklace, something like that. It's got a little pouch, it's got Diablo 4 on it, in, uh, red embroidery. So this one says, handcrafted in artesian brass and thickly plated in polished silver, the Lilith collar is painstakingly created from 46 individual pieces, securely soldered into a supple length of linked vertebrae. Okay, so that's like her tail, sort of, you know? Antiquated to emphasize the carved bone texture, the necklace is inspired by Lilith's spine, terminating with her sculpted crescent-shaped tail. There's also, um, let's see, their earrings. So these are $85. Handcrafted in nickel-free sterling silver, the Lilith earrings depict her wings delicately curled in spiny repose. Antiqued, I probably said antiquated before, but it's antique, so let's just go with that. To emphasize their distressed, battle-worn texture, the curved wings are symmetrical, dangling from diamond-shaped stud earrings featuring faceted blood-red cubic zirconia crystals, includes nickel-free sterling silver posts and clutches. Then there's a ring. This one is $75. Handcrafted in artesian brass and thickly plated in polished silver, this piece captures the beautiful and defiant visage of Lilith as a statement ring. And antiqued to emphasize the incredible detail, Lilith's headdress and horns is accented by a glittering blood-red cubic zirconia crystal. Spine texture con continues all around the ring shank. I think it means like the part that goes over your finger. Uh, with the inner band engraved, Blessed Mother, a three-dimensional ring. The domed head is hollowed beneath for comfortable wear. There's also a Anarius necklace, which is $110, handcrafted in artesian brass with an antique distressed finish to match the embellishments of his armor. The Anarius necklace is inspired by the large collar worn by the character, known as a livery collar or a chain of office denoting order of knighthood. The large rectangular link necklace is accurate to that seen on screen in a more wearable size. And then there's the ring. So this is the Anarius ring. It is $75. And I could see, you could see like Anarius's, you know, helmets and um, shoulder pieces in the front of the ring. And it shows the back of the ring that says bask in his glory printed on the inside of it. Handcrafted in artesian brass, this picture captures, sorry, this piece captures the ominous and faceless bust of Anarius as a statement ring. With an, with an antiqued distressed finish to match the embellishments of his armor, Anarius's hood, pauldrons, and chest plate are represented in sculpted durable detail. Within the inner band is engraved, bask in his glory. A three-dimensional ring, the domed body is hollowed beneath for comfortable wear. And then there is a picture of a woman wearing the Lilith ring and the Lilith uh, sort of necklace slash choker thing and also the earrings in here. So if you have a bunch of money and you like jewelry, this might be a thing that you want to, you know, you might want to go get one or more of those. Right now at the top of the Rock Love Jewelry website, it says it's up to 50% off. Um, shop our Better Than Black Friday sale now. Discount applies in checkout. And they also have stuff for Disney and Star Wars and Pokemon and other fandoms. But this is just the Diablo stuff. So if that's your thing, you can go ahead and get those if you want to. You know, surprise someone in your life that loves Diablo 4, I suppose. <laughs> right? 
And that's going to be it for this episode. So I'm going to end the show now. And again, I apologize that I didn't do a show last week because I was sick. I mean, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping that I'm over the COVID. The test I took today came out negative. So I'm pretty happy about that. And um, I should be able to keep things going every week with Shattered Soulstone. So with that, I'm going to close out the show. You have been listening to episode 433 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. <laughs>